you are listening to FatCast. I am Leslie Kinzel, and with me as always is Marianne Kirby. <laughs> I tried for a more enthusiastic woo this time. That's, 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 I, I like the extra enthusiasm because we need it. Well, um, I had <laughs> We actually did like a half an hour take of this particular episode, and except the recording got totally bored. So this is take two. We really mean it this time. <laughs> um, this time we're really fat. This time it's personal. Yes! <laughs> um, we want to talk, probably totally unsurprisingly, we want to talk today about the uh, Marie Claire fatties are gross um, conversation, if you want to call it that. Yeah, that's been happening. And some of the mixture of responses to that, just to set the stage a little bit, in case um, you have been living under a fat rock, um, a woman named, actually, I'm not even going to say her name anymore because I'm tired of saying her name. Yeah, fuck her name. Because it's not just about her, it's about there are millions of people who agree with her. So, um, That's right. Yeah. Fat-hating monolith says, <laughs> made a post on Marie Claire that said, basically argued that watching Mike and Molly was not something that she would consider doing because seeing fat people with rolls and rolls of fat kissing each other grosses her out. And actually fat, fat people, people just... walking across a room grosses her out. Yeah. In so, much the same way as heroin. Yes superhero addiction does yes there has been a superhero addiction heroines yay i'm just saying like i run my own blog and i am terrible about actually reading the things that i type because i am a first draft blogger but come the fuck on just to explain for anyone who didn't read the original post because i know there are people who didn't but um, she actually misspelled heroin, meaning the drug, but she spelled it heroin, meaning, like, Elizabeth Bennett. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, yes, there were, there were analogies to uh, fat people and uh, analogies, analogies between fat people and drug addicts. And there drug people were, stumbling through a bar. Yes. Because just walking across a room... Is like being a heroin addict slumped in a chair. I gotta say, I didn't really get the drunk analogy that much because I feel like when I see a drunk person stumbling in a bar or elsewhere, which I mean, it's hard to go into a bar and not see a drunk person stumbling, which (laughs) begs the question of why would you go to a bar if that quote unquote grosses you out? Um, I'm mostly thinking, wow, I hope that guy does not like fall into me. And or spill my drink or his drink. <laughs> I, I also feeling... have a moment of I I hope he isn't driving. Well, yes, oh uh, yeah, that's, that, that's that's usually the extent of my reaction, and then I go back to drinking my adult beverage. But the, <laughs> the kind of you know that's gross revulsion is not what pops into my head because mm-hmm. honestly, if it did, I would not go to bars. And interestingly, I actually don't go to bars, and it's probably because I am. I'm made uncomfortable by the idea of drunk people stumbling into me and possibly spilling something on me. Because, you know, in my club going days, that happened a lot. I actually used to joke that, you know, it wasn't a night out until somebody has dumped a beer on me. <laughs> I have that experience at sporting events. Yes, because sporting events are just bars with 
more people and more expensive <laughs> entertainment. <laughs> more excuses to to scream. Pretty much. Pretty yeah. Much. Um, I um I actually do go to bars as mm-hmm. an adult now. It's uh, I I didn't for for listeners. I, I didn't start drink- like the joke, quote unquote joke, is that I quit when I was twelve, and then I didn't start drinking again until I was like twenty five. And bars were boring because I wasn't drinking in them. But as like an adult in my thirties, I, I have gone to more bars and been like, oh, this is kind of a good goddamn time. It's you know, it's it's karaoke. I don't karaoke, but it's fun to watch other people do. So. I do go to bars, and I do see people stumbling around, and I'm like, oh, they're having a good time at the bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It ain't yeah. Cheers. <laughs> no, it's not. Although you can go to Cheers, because um, I live in Boston, and you can come visit me, and I can take you to Cheers, which actually looks nothing like the original show. But And there's, um, you know... I would have a, an advanced course in layering first, I think, yeah. unless I came during summer. Marianne has t- a, a terror of any temperature under 80 degrees, which I, 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 I relentlessly make fun of her for. <laughs> a woman at the pottery studio called me a wuss the other day because I was chilly. It was or, in the 70s. Or maybe it's because you are a wuss. <laughs> I, anyway. I feel a spiritual kinship with Rodney Dangerfield right now. <laughs> As far as respect goes, not so far as anything else really goes, because I don't think we have a lot in common. Yeah. But back to yeah. the topic at hand. Um, you know, Marie Claire posted the fat hating monolith post, and people, a lot of people responded. And um, you know, you and I both got plentiful sort of heads up from people about, oh my god, have you seen this? Yeah. And I don't know about. I mean, I I don't know if you react the same way, but I basically sort of like read it and rolled my eyes and was like, what of, you know, another, you know, more fat hatred. Okay. I'm, I've heard this all before. Um, I think that's why I tend to dwell on the spelling error. Like I am more <laughs> offended by the atrocity of her writing than I am by her totally pedestrian fat hatred. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm offended that somebody who can't spell heroin has a blog on a major media platform. Yeah. I, I kind of second do that. Um, <laughs> basically, the only reason I made um, a any kind of response either on my blog or on ultimately on Marie Claire's site um, was because I couldn't sleep and I re was checking email at one o'clock in the morning and I reread it and I was like, oh, what the hell? I'm awake. I'll you know be productive. And I wrote the original screed that went on fashionista.com and I didn't even. I mean, I barely edited it. I just sort of wrote it and then finally around three I was like okay now I'm tired (laughs) and I went to bed and then the next morning I sort of I didn't post it that night because I'm thinking I might wake up in the morning and be like oh this is awful (laughs) so I left it and then the next morning I was like oh what the hell I'll post it it's kind of it's got funny parts and I posted it and for good or ill it was one of the the first uh response posts from you know fat assery that got posted and it spread like wildfire through Twitter and has had a truly shocking number of page views as of this um, podcast recording. Uh, like so many page views, it, it really kind of like I can't I, I've said this like three times now. I can't actually say the number aloud because it, it freaks my shit out. 
that, like, <laughs> that many people read that 1 a.m. authored, lightly edited post. I love that that many people read in the name of Delta Burke. <laughs> I, you know, and this is part of, as a result of that, Marie Claire read it, what the web director or the web editor, I think the web editor, um, her name is Erin, and she was very nice. Um, emailed me after having read it and basically said, you know, uh, we're looking to have counterpoints, um, which, you know, eh, counterpoint, I mean, a counterpoint is sort of a, a a poor phrase, I would say. I think response or rebuttal would make more sense. Yeah, counterpoint makes it seem like it's a logical debate. Yeah, and obviously it's not. No. Uh, I, and, I mean, if only for the reason that the original post was clearly not intending to start any kind. I mean, this was a woman who was just sort of vomiting stuff onto the page. Like bloggers do. I'm not saying that it's a slam. Um, and just sort of throwing it out there and seeing what comes of it. And whereas my rebuttal to that was obviously a lot more considered uh, than the original post was. Because, you know, I... I don't know that I had any major misspellings in mind, at least. But, you know, that that basically Marie Claire wound up reading it and saying, like, oh, hey, okay, you know, would you be willing to, uh, you know, write a response post to the original post? And, you know, also there was a comment in the email about, you know, we let our bloggers have free reign and we don't agree with what this original blog said, so we're looking to have alternative um, perspectives put up there. So, and I kind of was like, eh, you know, if I can bang this out in an hour, then sure, you know, yeah. what the hell, you know, I, I was trying to write, what's funny is I was, that was the day that I was supposed to be doing the, um, review of Rocky Horror Glee, which actually never got posted and probably never <laughs> will now, unfortunately, because it's kind of old news, but, <laughs> um, I was sort of like, eh, you know, if I can, if I can bang this out on my, you know, during the hour I take for lunch, then, um, I'll send it. And you crack I did it. me up because you're always like, "Oh, I'll bang this out for an hour," but then you 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 kind of freak out. I kind of what? Out a little oh. bit about these things. Oh, sorry, like, your, you're all... your connection just dropped. Um, repeat. I said, um, you cra- you kind of crack me up with this stuff because you're always describing it so casually, like, mm-hmm. "Oh, I'll just bang this out in an hour or so." But the reality is that, like, you freak out intensely for that hour while you're, like, focused on it. And well, it's yeah. just funny. It's true. It's true. Well, that's basically, it's like when I, when I you're get. You're all cool and casual. Like, I'll just bang it out and <laughs> I'm getting that's... text messages in all caps. Immediately, immediately before <laughs> and immediately after, that's totally, I'm like, eh, you know, whatever. It's done now. Um, before it's like, okay, I have to do this. After it's like, okay, it's done. During, I'm totally like, and because I had, I hate, I hate that kind of like deadline sensitive writing. Like, you know, I have to do this with an X number of, it's just, it's, it's why I do, don't do more freelancing. Um, because, you know, I just, I do freak out over that kind of pressure. And I, you know, sort of, I, I, texted or chatted you and I was like all caps like ah I have to do this what do I do and I literally sat and stared at like blank google doc for like five minutes thinking you know like feeling panic rising like what the fuck am I gonna say like I have an opportunity to bring something to Marie Claire like major fucking Hearst owned 
Lady Mag publication, hugely untapped market of women uh, who, you know, are unfamiliar with fat acceptance and radical body politics. What the fuck am I going to say? Yeah. And, and then once I sort of figured out, like, I don't want to talk about the person who wrote the original piece because you know, boring on the one hand. <laughs> and, you know, also because that would be wasting an opportunity to actually make this into a constructive conversation. Um, and so, you know, I went up writing what I wrote, which basically was an argument in favor of seeing more fat bodies on television. And I, I think it came out pretty well. It's funny. And you'll appreciate this, Marianne. <clears throat> After, like, later, I, I wrote it an hour. I sent it off. They had it up within, like, 15 minutes, I think. And um, I had emailed my husband to be like, hey, check it out. You know, I got a thing on Marie Claire. And when I met him after work, we were walking to the car together. And he was like, how long did it take you to write that? (laughs) And I went and I went. And and you know, you know how what a perfectionist I am. I hadn't even reread it at that point because I'm like, I'm going to see a million edits and I can't deal with having something that I can't edit. (laughs) (laughs) And um, he, you know, he, we're walking, and he's like, how long did it take you to write that? And I said, an hour, like, exactly. Yeah. And he went, yeah, it doesn't have your usual polish. Oh! <laughs> I was like, oh, great, now twist the knife counterclockwise. <laughs> 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 because it kind of does, I since reread it, and it, it does, there, there are a lot of places I could have cut more and been a little more succinct, but whatever. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm proud of myself mostly for having banged it out in an hour because, you know, I am, I tend to be such a, you're like queen of first draft blogging and I am like queen of super meticulous edited blogging. <laughs> so if I that, had to super meticulous edit anything, it would never, ever be published. There would be like two entries on my entire blog. <laughs> See, I meticulously edit until I am sick of reading it. And when I get sick of reading it, I think, you know what, this is as good as I'm going to make it. And if I edit anything more after this, I'm going to start to make it suck. So... And then it goes live. <laughs> That's basically my, you know, when I reached a point where I'm like, oh, my God, I've read the sentence 20 times in the past hour. Then I'm like, yeah, OK, it's time to just post this this motherfucker. Um, Maybe I'm just overly impressed with my own cleverness. <laughs> it takes me a long time to get really, really sick of something. But you do- <laughs> but you're good at the fast first draft blogging like you can throw stuff out there and it will be coherent and you know i can throw stuff out there and my point will be mired in way too many adverbs because that's that's how i do (laughs) i am really anti-adverb i I know you are well you had that you had the the adverb hate beaten into you as a a child it's sloppy word choice and you need something to modify your verb you've chosen the wrong verb no but i use adverbs to modify adjectives Then choose a different adjective. But I like having more words. (laughs) Oh, this has been been a nice little insight into our writing process. It really, really is. You know what? I would just, if you're writing slash fic, listeners, get rid of the adverbs. (laughs) Just as a public service announcement. I've been, I read slash fic fic when I can't sleep. Like, there's Mm -hmm. something very comforting about it. And, And, if I have to read one more adverb, I'm like, this is no longer sexy. There's too many L-Y adverbs. Okay, the the alternate, you know, sort of take on that coming from me, and I don't read slash fic, but I'm going to give advice anyway. Use all the adverbs you want. 
You're a bad person. I am, I am candidly pro-adverb, I admit it. Yes. They're like the, Stephen King in his on writing compared them to dandelions. Like if you let one in, there's a proliferation and they're really it's really hard to root the bastards out. So just don't, I, don't start. I, and I like dandelions too. <laughs> so there you go. Anyway, we've gotten way off piece here. You know what though? I think it speaks to how like pedestrian the unusual the fat hate in this article is. I mean, it's something we've talked about 50 million times. Yeah. You know, as you said, when we both read the article, we were both like, eh, yeah, business as usual. And it's hard to summon up anything new to say because we've fucking said it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only thing you can do is say it to new audiences like people who are reading Mary Claire and who have never been exposed to this radical concept that, oh, fatties are people too, and maybe I should treat them the same way. Yeah. You know, and, I mean, the, we can sit here and talk about it all day, but, I mean, it's the same conversation we've had 50 different times. And the analogous concepts that being fat is okay, which most people recoil in horror, at least internally, yeah. at the idea – and the argument, which was the main thrust of my guest blog, is was that, you know, the normalization of fat bodies should happen, that fat yeah. bodies should be normal and not hated and not reviled and, you know, should be depicted as normal fucking people with normal fucking lives. I mean, that's... Because that we are. Yeah, that should happen. Fatness should be totally acceptable. Um from a cultural perspective, obviously individual decisions made about an individual body by an individual are, you know, another matter entirely, but we're talking about cultural representation. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, one of the things that sort of, that sort of blew my mind was that um, fashionista, which is not connected with my site in case that yeah. was not patently obvious, um, did an interview with the editor-in-chief of Marie Claire, who probably has all but the tiniest thread of connection to what happens on these tiny little blogs on the website, but whatever. Um, they interviewed her about the whole dust-up, and she basically said, um, you know, she apologized, we're doing counterpoints, we consider it closed. Yeah. And, you know, people were aghast that the editor-in-chief of a major lady mag was not outraged by fat hatred. And I kept reading these posts that were like, oh, my God, this, you know, like condemning this editor. I'm like, she's the editor-in-chief. I mean, this is like saying... Her bread and butter is making women feel bad about their bodies. This would be like expressing shock that Anna Wintour was like, you know, (laughs) Gabby Sidibe is too fat to go on the cover of Vogue. Of course she's going to say that. She's Anna fucking Wintour. I mean, come on. I don't, I, that, that blew my mind as much as anything else out of this, that people were astonished by that. And again, as an actual fat ass working in actual fat activism, I was like, I read that article and I'm like, yeah, that's about what I expected yeah. um, to hear from her. And I, I, coming from a justice perspective, mm-hmm. um, I'm thinking in particular of Marilyn Wands, like the oppression lady on, says start. it is, to paraphrase. 
You start over because you're the connection just dropped a little bit again. Start that over. I'm sorry. Okay. Does it does it is it working now? It seems a little better. Okay. Um, I I think some people were coming at it from a, a social justice perspective. There's Marilyn Wands sort of to paraphrase: the oppression isn't over until the fat lady says it is. Right. But. Ugh. Mary Claire, not really a hotbed of social justice activism. Yeah. Like they're not, they're not looking at it from that perspective. Of course, the oppression isn't over until the oppressed people are. You know, you, <laughs> the people in power don't get to decide that. Oh, that's good enough. But if you're the editor in chief of a major lady mag, uh, you know that's the that's the perspective you're operating from. Is that We've had our piece. We're done because you're not concerned with the social justice aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many people are there who are still convinced that fat activism isn't a real thing? Yeah. Or who can't even conceive of it as a real thing. I mean, one of the things that's also fascinated me is the degree to which people, you know, a lot of commenters on um not so much on actual, my post on actualfatchanisa.com. I've had a, a surprisingly scant number of troll comments um, on considering the huge exposure it's gotten. Um, very few trolls. I think I've had maybe four comments that I just had to delete. Mm-hmm. And there were a few others that were critical, but, you know, I felt like, what the hell? I mean, I, I very often will publish comments that, that a lot of people will just delete and, and respond to them. Um, yeah. And, you know, a couple of them, if I had, you know, a response to, I would go ahead and, and you know, publish and, and give my reaction. Um, but I feel like, you know, part of the weirdness here is that, you know, like if and I, I unless you have an enormous surplus of sanity points, I don't recommend you do this. But if you look at the comments on the um, my uh, guest blog on Marie Claire there is a, an astonishing number of people who completely do not get the point. Yeah. And, you know, it's it, it just flies right over their heads. And, and There it, are fat it, people who don't get the point. Lots, Yeah, lots and lots of fat people who cannot conceive of an argument that is making the case that it is, yes, you're, it, it's okay to be fat. It's not just about it's wrong that this woman made fun of you for, you know, being horribly afflicted with this terrible tragedy of a fat body that you are working so hard to fix. That's not actually what I'm arguing. No. What I'm arguing is that it's totally okay to be a great big fat person. (laughs) And, you know, you shouldn't have to feel compelled unless, you know, again, body autonomy, your choice. If you can make that choice in in an environment that is independent of the cultural pressure to do so, then, yeah, okay, you know, that's that's what you've decided to do, and I totally respect, just like I, if I expect you to respect my choices about my body as a ginormous fat person inflicting my horrifying girth on your eyeballs when I go out, I also have to respect your choice to, you know, do what you want with yours, and that's fine. We're all good there. Um, I respect your choice to wear that pair of pants, even if I may not agree with it. Exactly. And that's, you know, this is this is part of of, you know, the culture, the shift in cultural thinking that we're sort of striving for. I feel like the weirdness here, though, is that a lot of the points are so radical that they're completely passing people by. Like, you know, the idea that the obesity epidemic that is, you know, defining our current public discourse around health is overblown horseshit. I don't think people can really even hear that or conceive of that 
if you say it without, you know, me sort of saying it in so many words and then rattling off a list of why, you know, this is so, which is not, as you well know, is not the kind of blogging that I do. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, this is, I'm coming from a set, you and I and, and people in fat activism in general are coming from a set of, of precepts and assumptions that are so completely different from what, you know, the standard thinking is that the radicalism of it is almost, you know, like you kind of almost do have to beat people over the head with it. I mean, when I was writing the guest post, I kept thinking, I don't want to hammer people with the, you know, with this this idea, because I'm going to assume, which was probably short-sighted in <laughs> retrospect, I'm going to assume that, you know, people are intelligent, critical thinkers who read this, and I'm sure a lot of them were, they just didn't, you know, leave that yeah. many comments, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to come at this from the assumption that people are capable of, of thinking differently about this issue, and about why fat people on TV, as, as superficial and ridiculous as it sounds, is actually really, really important. Um, that was that was kind of a misjudgment on my part, in retrospect. I, I feel kind of, I don't know, I feel like we live in a surreal world when Mike and Molly is the show that's garnered this kind of attention as well, because it's not even a good show. Like, it would have made sense to me if Huge had polarized people this way. Yeah. You know, and made people say the terrible things that they think to themselves out loud. You it know, is... but but that's not what happened. It took a shitty show, mm -hmm. you know, that is not at all radical in its body politics. The only radical thing that I think it does is put people who are, like, they're not in-betweenies. They're... Like, great big fat people mm -hmm. on TV, center stage. They're not anybody's sidekick. I mean, the woman who's playing Molly was um, Suki on Gilmore Girls, from what I understand. And, I mean, and she was that same size. But that didn't cause the same kind of uproar, uproar that having her as a main character has. Well, because it, you know, shows like, first of all, I think Huge, it's always interesting to bring up Huge because I feel like Huge also sort of falls prey to that idea that it is so radical that it's not even speaking a language that people understand in some yeah. cases. Um, there's that for the first part, which I think is why there wasn't more of a negative reaction to that show, because a lot of people just couldn't it, I think it confused people too much for them to be reactionary about it. Like, you know, what the hell is going on? This, this, it, it was so multifaceted and so nuanced in how it dealt with all kinds of relationships with bodies and fatness and gender and queerness. And, you know, I mean, it, it just, it, 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 it was very, very quiet in the stories that it was telling. And I think that that sort of flew over you know, a lot of, again, flew over a lot of people's heads. Yeah. Whereas Mike and Molly is this very familiar format. And they literally, it's kind of like what happened with More to Love. Basically, they took a known format, um, typically done with slender people, and just injected fat people into it. Yeah. And that, you know, and just are carrying on from there. And I think that that's why this is... You know, it's it. That's more of a a baby step, I think, culturally. Which you know, I'm not saying that as a slam. I think it is incredibly important. I think it's sad that it's not funnier. I wish it were. 
Um, I think the actors are amazing, fantastic people because they're actual fat people. And, you know, it's got to be incredibly difficult to get a starring role in anything as a, you know, established fat person. Um, and, you know, I have enormous respect for them. And I even have respect for the guy, some tiny bit of respect for the guy <laughs> who created the show, even though he is also, I understand, responsible for Two and a Half Men, which is like the bane of my existence. Like, I... I, I don't know that I've ever hated a TV show as much as I hate that show. Um, but, you know, I'm I mean, so this... glad I don't watch TV very much. <laughs> but, you know, this is, this is, it is incredibly important, which is what, you know, the, my, my guest blog was trying to get at. Um, and I think your, you know, blog on Comment is Free over on The Guardian was also trying to get at. Um, is it, you know, this is, this is important. This is an important conversation for a lot of reasons, and it's not just because someone wrote something abusive about fat people on the internet, because that happens every day, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think what is interesting about the comments everywhere except Mary Claire is that people just don't get it. Mm-hmm that they don't get that this is not a concept. This is about actual individuals. I mean, when you say on a major media platform that it's disgusting to see someone walk across a room, that translates into effect in actual people's lives. Yeah. And it's not just the people some fat hater thinks of when they think of fat people. It's, you know, the family members that they're that they don't really think of as fat because fat is such a, a malleable concept to so many people. It doesn't actually have anything to do with bodies so much as it does, you know, ability and class and socioeconomic standing and, and that sort of thing. And they, I, I think people, I, I think that's the, I mean, you brought up dehumanization and that was something I touched on as well. Like the thing that I think people don't stop and consider is that you and I are just trying to go about our normal lives. Mm-hmm. And these these sort of, you know, having, having fat people on TV or in fiction or represented in any way, shape, or form, you know, serves, serves as, a, as a point of reference and connection for actual real people. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not about glorifying anything. Heaven knows. I mean, le- like you said, it would be unicorns and warm pie if that were the case. <laughs> well, I think I think the really critical thing here is is, and I know we've both argued this, and lots of other smart people have argued this as well. Um, that part of the thing when we talk about fatness as a cultural concept, nobody actually seems to know any fat people. And when I say that, what I mean is when we talk about fatness and fat people as this group, it's always this sort of faceless, you know, growing, terrifying monster that, you know, doesn't have any humanity, that is, is using up all the health care, is, you know, this, this creeping terror that, that's coming at us. Um, and creeping. yet... Terror. I I it's to... very Lovecraftian. I wish he had written about fat people. Creeping Terror was actually an MST3K episode, <laughs> which is why that worked that's way in there. Um, but I think, you know, what's important to when I say we didn't, no, nobody knows fat people, 
we do know fat people. We all know fat people. We don't think of the people we know as fat. Yeah. So we might have a mom who is fat, but we would never think of her as fat, even though technically she is fat, you know, by almost any measurement. Or we may have a, a you know, a coworker we like a lot, and we don't think of her as fat because she's always talking about her diet. Or, yeah. you know, we may have a good friend who is fat, and we don't think of them as fat because we like them and we enjoy their company. Um that's that's something that really more than anything else needs to change that yeah when you're talking about fat people you're talking about the people you know who whether they're on a diet or not whether you like them or not whether they're you know a relative or not if they're fat they're fat and you're talking about them so if you're saying fat people are disgusting you're talking about you know in the original post the blogger mentions you know i you know i have like fat plump friends or I have friends who could be considered plump, I'm no size this like, jerk I yeah, have which, friends who could be considered plump right which you know is is I wonder if those are still her friends now I gotta but, say I hope not <laughs> I mean I'm I'm a bad person but goddamn. but I mean even aside from the whole <laughs> even aside from the whole argument that you know I can't possibly be you know anti-fat people because I have fat friends which is exactly the same thing as you know I can't possibly be racist because I know this guy who was black and, <laughs> and I love that she has friends who could be considered plump which says to me it's friends who are like obsessing with the five pounds that they are overweight yeah according but, to the BMI chart but it, it totally overshoots the fact that Fat hatred and phobia and body policing fucks everyone up. It's not just about, you know, fat people jumping around screaming validate us, although that would be nice. Um, It's also about the fact that this is oppressive to anyone with a body, basically. That, you know, in the same way that, you know, sexism is oppressive to all genders, um, in the same way that racism is oppressive to all races. Now, admittedly, the, the reality of the oppressive forces are different if you're a white person or if you're a person of color. But that symptomatic, fucked-up disease screws with all of us. Some of us, it fucks harder than others, but it screws with all of us and all of our ability to, you know, abilities to go out in the world and be happy and, and comfortable and non marginalized individuals and you know that's that's kind of what the 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 ultimate most liberal crux of fat activism gets at is that you know this is not this is not just about us um and i you know i know that that you know the danger is always you know when you start trying to include everyone you can lose that radical core um, and I definitely think that the spotlight needs to remain on the actual marginalization of actual fat people. But the fact remains is that this is a cultural concept that is is not – it doesn't serve – no one benefits by it, I guess is the right. best way to put it, except for, like, diet companies and lady magazines. And they profit from it a lot, which yeah. is why it's still an issue because it's, you know, the diet industry being a multi-billion dollar industry that's still growing mm-hmm. despite – these despite these economic hard times yeah um you know the 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 people who are making diet drugs aren't hurting yeah so. and i mean the thing is they're going to lady mags in particular are going to profit by this no matter what um 
which you know there there's been some mostly amongst Jezebel commenters um there's been some criticism of you know first Marie Claire even doing what they're calling counterpoint blogs and I'm making air quotes around counterpoint because I think that's a bad word choice yeah um you know, Marie, that, that there's a lot of criticism that, oh, they're using this to, you know, get site traffic, and which they might. Um, but, you know, my position on that has obviously been that's great for them, except they're also, you know, posting an article by a fat activist on their website. And I think it's you don't, also... If you don't understand how huge that is, then I kind of want to live where you live. <laughs> also laughable that Mary Claire would need to turn to what is kind of an obscure social justice movement in order to generate page views. I don't think they're having that kind of problem. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I I mean, some, of, some of the criticism I've read is like, you know, clearly, you know, print media is dying, da 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 da, except this isn't happening in print. This is happening on their website. Yeah. Like, if, they're, if this isn't helping them as a print medium this is actually the original blog has hurt them as a print medium because they've had you know tens of thousands of emails you know telling them we're you know i hate this and i'm dropping my subscription and you know that's that's i i i think that i think that the whole wag the dog argument presupposes that marie claire thought that they could plan this out from the start and use this for positive publicity and we're i all think just cogs in the mary claire machine yeah we're all tool of the marie claire men man <laughs> <laughs> and you know i think that that really honestly gives marie claire a little more credit than they actually deserve well um, i mean can you I, imagine it the... it, well it would presuppose that marie claire is aware of fat activism prior to this moment can you imagine also the planning meeting? Okay, we're going to get a shitty writer. <laughs> to po- I'm sorry I keep har- I'm not sorry I keep harping on this. Who is actually. our most terrible writer? <laughs> it's like that scene in Zoolander where, you know, they're like, we need someone incredibly dim. <laughs> I like Zoolander. They, they get who is basically their stupidest male model to assassinate this guy. And it's... You, you should just watch the movie. And I we, hate to spoil it. Your 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 you know particular fixation on the quality of the writing is well taken now. So, ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know. Anyway, like, you were... who's our worst writer? Let's get her to write an inflammatory piece because we know she hates fatties. It, that doesn't make a whole lot of business sense to me, or a whole lot of sense in reality. And then to assume that they were going to get such a mammoth response, not from radical fat asses like you and me, but from everyday people, which I would not have assumed, you know, that would happen at all. I would assume that, you know, probably the majority of people would be like, yeah, fat people are totally gross. Because you know what? That's what 90% of the comment threads on articles of this nature tend to say on the internet. So that would have been my expectation that, you know, this would have come and gone with very little fanfare and, you know, maybe a few dissenting opinions and overwhelming support. Um, And that's one of the things we've talked about, how five, three, two years ago, whatever, this would not have happened. Yes, absolutely. And certainly not from actual everyday non-activist people um 
So that in and of itself is sort of a fascinating change. And I've been doing this work for over a decade, actually a lot more than a decade now that I think about it. And, um, you know, I would not have anticipated that response. And I like to think of myself as someone who has, you know, a, a bit of a finger on the pulse of, you know, the cultural ideologies around fat and, and body politics in the United States right now. So if I couldn't anticipate that, I tend to imagine that Marie Claire would have a hard time anticipating that. And it's possible, sure, that they were like, whoa, okay, um, let's try to turn this to our advantage. You know, let's make, we got lemons, let's make some lemonade. And, you know, by doing these rebuttal posts. And I do think that's probable because that's basic damage control right exa- there. Exactly. It's, exa- it's, it's them trying to redefine the conversation as, no, 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 we weren't supporting this opinion by putting it on the site. Um, you know, we're open to other perspectives on this and that again completely unsurprising um the most surprising thing about how they did it to me was that they actually asked me for a piece i was shocked um and i think i texted you as much i was like holy shit like i did not expect that to happen well i was having a total normal day and i was freaking out about something and texted you and you were like can't talk all right (laughs) Drama, drama, Mary Claire. I don't think I said drama, drama. You I think did I not. think I said I think I said can't talk, have hour to write guest posts. The drama, drama was implied by the all caps. Yes, and then I think I said may need edits. Yeah, <laughs> but then you disappeared before I could send it to Technology you. Technology thwarted me. I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, so you know that I was mostly astonished. That, you know, not even so much like a yay sort of, um, my reaction was not so much yay as it was, wow, this is a crazy ass opportunity to, you know, put some ideas out into a forum where these ideas would normally never, um, be sort of offered, um, so that, yeah, that was mostly, mostly I was freaking out initially because I kept thinking, oh, crap, I need to not fuck this up. <laughs> like, I, I really need to not fuck this up. And I actually posted about it on Facebook, and I got a whole bunch of comments from people who were like, you can do it, which is ironically now, like, trademarked to that original blog post inside my head. Um, I can only ever hear you can do it in the voice of, like, Rob Schneider from whatever movie it was he was doing that in. I have a um, personal policy against ever seeing a Rob Schneider movie. So well, I, it was an Adam Sandler film. I have a personal policy against ever watching Adam Sandler movies. It was the one where he was a football player. I, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we have listeners who know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I kind of resent that that has become like the voice in my head whenever anyone says you can do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is it is a pretty insipid phrase in fairness. So yeah. it may as well be spoken by an insipid. I don't even want to call him an actor an insipid, whatever <laughs> Rob Schneider is. Um, but yeah, you know, I sort of got a lot of props from people. and I was like, OK, yeah, no, no, I can do this and I cannot fuck it up. And I I still, I mean, while I would have edited it differently um, if I'd had more time, um, <laughs> I I still think that, um, you know, I got the point across that I wanted to get across, and I'm, I'm still happy about that, um, because I feel like it is, it wasn't, you know, there were some early comments that were, like, yelling at Marie Claire for not 
reposting the post that I had initially, the 1am post that I initially put on my own blog. And, you know, I was kind of like, eh, why would I just, you know, if I have an opportunity, I'm going to I'm going to try to portray this in a way that is rational. And not to say that the original post was irrational, but it was more the original post was more talking to the group of people that reads my blog, whereas the Marie Claire post was more talking to people who have not ever been exposed to the idea that fat people are OK. Um, What's interesting to are. me about the original post on Mary Claire is that it is not in any way acknowledging that the groups can overlap, that fat people might read Mary Claire. Yes. Which, again, connects to that whole I don't actually know any fat people thing. Yeah. Which is interesting. But, yeah, you know, of course there are no fat people who read Marie Claire. Uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So that, you know, and I don't, I mean, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm a little, still a little flummoxed by that, because like I said, I think, I think that that argument presupposes a lot of, a lot of intense sort of awareness on the part of Marie Claire and their editors that I just don't think, I think it's given them way too much credit to assume that they could have predicted that that would happen. Leslie, you know you were just selling out. I was what? You were just selling out. I was totally, yeah, I'm totally selling out. That's that's what, yeah. That's that's what it is. <laughs> because I'm just some, you know, I'm I'm some random fucking blogger and I'm not, you know, actually an activist with. And that was something I put in in sort of a follow-up post cuz I for anyone who hasn't um heard, I'm reviving the much beloved Museum of Fat Love as a Tumblr. And I, you know, sort of posted, when I posted about it to patchanisa.com, I, I talked a little bit about, um, you know, sort of some of the criticisms. And the thing that I put in there, which um, tends to be this, and I, I think this all the time, whenever I get like a random troll, like drive-by troll comment that's like, you know, says something about, like assumes that I'm making boatloads of money off of my website without any ads on it and it sells nothing to anyone. <laughs> And, you know, I kind of said the terrifying reality is that I do this because I am committed to these political ideas. <laughs> there is no other reason. That's why I do it. I make no money off of it. I get pretty much no status. I, it's I was going to be pissed at you. I was like, if Leslie's making boatloads of money off this fat <laughs> activism thing, why? She needs to share that shit. <laughs> But yeah, and I think part of it too is that, you know, that in and of itself is really hard for people to get. That, you know, you can hold an inc a radical position without being, you know, all Glenn Beck about it and selling a million things and, you know, using yourself as a brand. And I mean, admittedly, if you and I were smarter, we'd probably do a little bit more <laughs> of that than we currently do. Um, but, you know, I mean, that's, you know, the, the assumption is always that, you know, somebody's looking for a payday. And I, I think that that's just so, like, that's just so ridiculous to me. I've that, operated the Rotund for three years, and I had a PayPal button on it. It may still be there. I don't even know, because you know I don't bother with the, the design of it. The sidebar. Um, <laughs> yeah, the sidebar, whatever. Um, I've had, I've had that blog for something like three years now. I have made... Because I don't do ads, mm -hmm. I have made a grand total of five dollars. Wow, that's five dollars more than me. 
And that's like two days after I started my blog, a friend on LiveJournal donated five bucks as a like, oh, yay, look at you, kind of five bucks. (laughs) Go you. That's adorable. Yeah. That's adorable. Well, I think, you know, part of it, too, is that real, real radical activism, you know, we don't see a lot of that off, off of a college campus in, you know, American culture as much as, you know, we have historically. I think that a lot of, you know, radicalism has sort of has become an, synonymous with being just allowed being a terrorist yeah like being well or being allowed an attention grabbing asshole um, along the lines of your Glenn Beck's um and I think that that you know that means that we culturally have a hard time grasping the idea that there are people out there and there are in on on many fronts not just fat you know on on all social justice sort of arenas there are lots and lots of people who are out there working their asses off every day to build a better world, not because they're expecting to get a paycheck out of it, but because they actually believe in building a better world. And we just, we, we, we hear from them insofar as we read blogs by them or the occasional, you know, piece in a, a magazine or something by them. I mean, the you know, efforts that I really, really respect do both. I mean, Redress in New York is yes. a really good example. I mean, she is changing the world and making a living, providing a service to people that, you know, was completely underserved. And providing space yeah. for people with, you know, sort of similar political goals to come in and do their thing. And that that's an excellent excellent fucking example marianne yeah you like know, re- redress is totally that's what we all should be doing ideally yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean it blows my mind when i stop and think about it because i know deb doesn't really like give herself credit for her activism but mm-hmm. she is doing a big goddamn important thing incredibly i mean it, it kind of can't be overstated yeah. uh the effect that and i mean even like again i'm i'm an old dog in this race and yet I go to redress and I have this incredible, it's the incredibly just happy and reassuring and amazing experience every single time. I'm going, yeah, I'm going in November and I feel like I'm getting ready for some sort of pilgrimage. I'm looking (laughs) at like, you know, my usual daily spending habits going, I should save that money because I am going to redress. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and it's not just the opportunity to shop. It's like no. the whole experience and the knowledge that soon I will be with other fat friends that I don't have to justify myself to, in that a, I don't have to rationalize anything to. Yeah, in a space that is explicitly um, welcoming yeah. to you and your politics. And that is so, when, as as radical activists, that's so incredibly important to have because i mean you know so much of us so many of us these days tend to do this stuff online almost exclusively uh some of us are you know do other sort of off internet's work but those of us who are more writers you know that that tends to be our 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 area where we do a lot of our you know most of our efforts efforts tend to be concentrated and as a result we don't have the same local fat loving spaces that you know earlier you know like the fat underground and earlier activist groups had yeah. that they carved out for themselves 
And so having some place that you know is always sort of there and, and available to you is incredibly precious. Um, now, admittedly, availability depends on whether it's accessible, whether you can get to New York. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's there for you. And even to some extent, even when I, you know, if you can't go today or the day that you need to go, just knowing that spaces like that exist in the world, that, you know, it's almost like a sanctuary kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that that in and of itself is good for your heart and your head to know that, you know, there are people and, and, and actual real-life 3D spaces that are well, going to get you and accept you. I, I don't think it's any secret. I mean, I've talked about it a little bit on the last couple of podcasts, and then I had a big post about it, like how I've just been having a really hard time lately. Mm-hmm. And my solution is not so much to step back from fat politics, because that's not actually going to make anything better. It's to sort of shift my focus for a little while to the community instead of the people who are opposing our community and redress is like redress. Like I really am looking so forward to this trip as a chance to recharge as a, as a chance to in a very physical way, participate in our community and, you know, to, to just sort of feel that and to take heart from it because there's just so much grinding people down on a regular basis. It's actually, yeah, go ahead. No, go for it. I was just going to say this actually kind of segues into something else I wanted to mention. There was one, um, uh, there was a blog post, I think, this morning or yesterday that um, basically I had, I had sort of conversed with someone on Twitter and I think um, she wound up writing a blog about it. And uh, the context of the blog is basically, you know, my point was that I think it was, Regardless of whether Marie Claire gets attention or, or page hits, um, I think it's still a win for fat asses because we got to have, um, you know, fat politics represented in the pages of a major women's magazine. And, uh, you know, the, the subsequent blog post is basically taking issue with the idea that arguing that fat people are people is a radical idea. I think that it's a it's not a radical idea if you're not actually hearing what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um the idea that fat people are people should not be a radical idea. Everyone, regardless of, of what their body looks like, should be entitled to respect and dignity. The reality is they're not. Um, the reality is that fat bodies, ju- you know, in the same way that other marginalized bodies um, are, are also considered public property, um, the reality is that, you know, fat people are incredibly marginalized um, both institutional ways and in individual ways. And these are, you know, the idea that, you know, fat should be okay and accepted and not questioned and and should not be a problem automatically for all fat people. If individuals decide otherwise, that's one thing, but we shouldn't consider it. Um, That is incredibly radical. Um, I don't care where the fuck you live. That's an incredibly radical idea. But the weird thing that is, and now I'm getting back to the segue, um, which makes it not a segue at all. <laughs> but the weird thing about this post was that it also mentions the Added Positivity Project and basically says, this is quote-unquote Hi, Substantia. Real. Yeah, hi, Substantia. Um, <laughs> basically <laughs> makes the argument that Added Positivity is quote-unquote real radical activism, um, as opposed to, you know, my blog for Marie Claire, which, yeah, the guest blog I wrote was not, crazy crazy radical that was intentional 
because I'm not talking to you know people. I'm talking to people who need to be eased into these ideas. That's that's strategic. Um, but you know, I still maintain that dude, the act of having fat activism on Marine Claire in and of itself is a radical thing. But yeah, whatever. Anytime you know, there's a message about fat positivity put out in a in a mainstream media outlet, I find that very radical. Even if the actual you know writing is not completely off the wall, which we all know I am perfectly capable of doing. <laughs> but the weird thing was that this blog sort of positions me and, you know, Ada Positivity and Substantia Jones as sort of, I don't know if it's, if it's like in competition or if it's, you know, in contrast, which I thought was really odd. Because, Cage match. Yeah, because, hey, Substantia and I are on the same fucking team. I mean, yeah. I, I think she is amazing, and I love her work. And I love particularly how her work has grown and expanded and, and come to encompass, you know, so many different bodies. Um, She yeah. got, she used to get a lot of crap for, for not having uh, very many women of color um, represented. And rather than, you know, sort of just, being like, well, I don't know how to do that, um, you know, whatever, and just sort of blowing it off. She actually took that criticism to heart and has, uh, you know, I mean, there's far more. It's an incredibly diverse collection at this point. Um, and there was always, some fumbling, always... some initial fumbling around that criticism yeah. as well. Uh, like people who were criticizing how she was going about trying to expand things. But right. I think rather than get defensive and, you know, freak out and take her ball and go home. I mean, I I think that her work has grown incredibly. I love it. Well, what we saw there, in, in fairness to everyone involved, is the standard reaction to anyone being called on privilege. And that's, yeah. I've done that, you've done that. Anytime someone calls you out, it's incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, it's your natural reaction is going to be defensiveness, and we have to sort of tell I don't know that. what you're talking about, Leslie. Oh, my God, I'm so offended. <laughs> but, you know, your natural reaction is going to be to be defensive, and we all have to yeah. work to try to tamp down on that so that we can actually hear what's being said and learn from it. And I feel like, you know, that's, that's you know, out of positivity. It's a vital critical thinking skill. Yeah, and it's it's turned into this really great success story. And it, And I also always feel like it's never like, this was a project that, you know, threw in some women of color and it was like, there, it's done. And then, and hasn't, I mean, she's, it's continually been growing and, yeah. and trying to keep that up because as we should all know, diversity is not something that you sprinkle over a dish like salt and pepper. You yeah. know, you have to continuously be working it into your work all the time and you have to always be aware of it. And I think that that is, you know, has been really ma magical to watch and has made out of positivity this incredible resource and a fantastic intro um, for people who, for whatever reason, aren't going to read my wordy ass blog or who, you know, have trouble sort of, you know, assimilating some of the, the stuff that, you know, those of us who write. Um, put out there, yeah. but, you know, people who are newer to the idea can go and look at these pictures and think, you know, on, on a first early step thing, hey, you know, look, look, I can, you know, I'm seeing these fat bodies in this admittedly, you know, semi-objectified way, which it, well, serves, that's, a, it that's, serves a purpose. <laughs> that's the thing that I like about it, though, because it's... <sighs> It, it draws you in with something that is comfortable for people, which is yes. women in their underwear or naked or whatever. 
it's cheesecake. And yeah, I have some incredibly gorgeous photos there. Like I'm not dismissing cheesecake as a, as a photography genre. Um, I think that you draw something, you draw people in with something they're comfortable with. And then you put that spin on it, that these are, these are fat women of a lot of differing sizes with a lot of differing body types. Yep. And you know, that subverts the initial expectation. So I think she does something really great there Mm -hmm. by, you know, taking this standard format of objectification and, you know, putting that that fat twist on it. Like remaking it, because, I mean, that's that's kind of coming back to what we were talking about with how Mike and Molly connects with people in a way that Huge may not, because Mike and Molly is taking this established format and injecting yeah. fatness into it. So people have a point, have a frame of reference in which to view it. Same thing with positivity. You can look at these pictures, and we're all familiar with what, you know, a naked slender woman or semi-naked slender woman looks like in these, you know, this sort of, I guess you could say, I don't want to say erotic, but it's, you know, it's, it's cheesecake, but it's more than cheesecake, I guess. Yeah. In these sorts of, you know, this sort of photography, we're familiar with that in a thin context. When you see it in a fat context, it's, it can be incredibly mind opening because it's so prior to, well, prior to out of positivity, there's a photo book um, called, which I still have called Women and Large which was a collection of yeah. fat nudes, and it's a beautiful, amazing book, and it's every, even today I look at it and it blows my mind. And that's a similar sort of, yeah. of experience that, you know, we, we, photography is an incredibly accessible medium to people without a, a context for fat acceptance. So they might I love not... That they're... I was going to say, I love that they're handling things in different ways, because one of the things with the Add a Positivity Project, it took me a long time to kind of figure out how I felt about, is that you never see any woman's face. Right. Well, sometimes you see bits of their faces, but usually... Sometimes you see bits, but usually it's supposed to stand in for every fatty you could possibly know. Right. That this is what they look like with their clothes off, which I think is one of the part of the description of the site. Yeah. Whereas with women in large, it's an incredibly personal, yes, like up close portraiture kind of kind of situation. Mhm. So. Yeah. So that and that's actually a good that's a really good point. Um but I love and I mean this is all to, uh, we're fawning at this point, but it is a brilliant, you know, piece a, a brilliant resource and a brilliant collection of art in my, you know, even aside from the political effects of it. I think that these, these photographs are just gorgeous, even without that. Um, but the weird thing, the weird thing about this sort of competitive positioning is that, that, that it actually made me sort of feel warm and fuzzy after I really thought about it, was that the reason that weirded me out is because that doesn't happen that much in, in fat accepting circles that will, we very often will disagree on issues. Um, yeah, that happens a lot, and we will disagree ferociously yes. <laughs> on certain issues. But for the most part, we tend to generally, and maybe I'm being too Pollyanna, maybe I'm hanging out with you too much, Marianne, <laughs> about this, but I, I really believe that generally we're pretty happy when any of us gets a voice in a larger, more public conversation, because that's, that is, is good for, us all, for everyone involved. Um, if I, you know, get to, you know, I had the, the piece in Newsweek, 
um, you know, I felt I never felt like anyone was like, oh, damn, I'm, you know, jealous that, you know, why does she get the piece of Newsweek and I don't. You know, I never, ever got that. All I felt from people was, this is awesome. We're getting these ideas out there in a, a new forum. And Here's a that's... little personal thing. Okay. I, I'm incredibly, incredibly self-critical. Mm. You may know, Leslie. And... No! <laughs> <laughs> and and I do, like, do the, the critical analysis of, of myself in, in some really brutal ways sometimes with some formats. But one of the reasons I have continued to write in that activism is because I don't feel that. Like, I am stoked as hell that Gabby is running around as an MTV TJ. I am thrilled every time you have a piece somewhere or someone, or, you know, gets some sort of attention because that's good for all of us as a community. Yeah. You know, it's not... The the focus is the activism. The focus is not, you know, whether or not I'm the best writer in the world. It's which, not, yeah. It's, it's not about your individual, like, skills. It's about what it's doing for the movement. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that, too, I mean, what's interesting is that, as you may be aware, I am also an incredibly, by nature, competitive person. Um, yeah. I hate it. I actually hate com- competition. And I know most co- competitive people love it, but I don't. Um and yet, having said that, I, I pretty much never feel competitive with fellow fat activists. Like, I am always nothing but thrilled when people wind up having success or getting media attention or any or getting, you know, pieces published um, in, in mainstream, you know, sort of forums. I think yeah. that is always awesome. And that is, y'all are just going to take the word for it, my word for it. That's incredibly like a big deal for me because I, in most other circumstances, I am such a competitive freak as much as I hate it and as much as I try not to be. So that, I think, speaks to the fact that we are all, you know, on the same team here. We're all still going for, you know, we're all still after the same goals. And it just, you know, the idea that that anyone, and I think, too, it's interesting because we all, particularly like little subgroups within the this fuller community, we all do things in different ways and different flavors. I mean, faction bloggers tend to not really discuss politics that much, and yet their blogging is still explicitly political because it's, you know, visibility for fat bodies and more than that it's visibility for fat bodies in a very attention intentionally attention grabbing stylish uh eye count sort of way um gabby's success as as at mtv is like the awesome i mean honestly that's like one of my favorite events of this whole year and i've had some awesome shit happen to me this year um but that was really one of because I mean she is a she's incredibly good at it, and she's incredibly well suited to like I I I felt like you know I knew she would do an amazing job at yeah. this 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 weird loosely defined position, but Gabby being Gabby I mean Gabby still doesn't you know it's not like she ever backed down from fat politics in doing this that she's still the same person and she still you know thinks that this is this is important shit that we should be talking about and i think that that's incredibly precious because you know she does have this 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 high profile role and she has access to 
a, a dramatically large number of people who watch MTV who are apparently all much younger than me. <laughs> so, yeah, so I think that, you know, we do things differently, but I'd be hard-pressed to remember the last time that I had heard about someone involved in this community and these ideologies in this movement do something that I thought, well, that's bad. You know, I'm not happy they did that. I'm always happy that, you know, we're when we get exposure because like you said, it 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 benefits everyone who is fighting fascist beauty standards. Yeah. That doesn't mean it doesn't spur me to want to do things better on my end. Like I'm not trying to make out that we're some rosy rosy, you know, Unhuman (laughs) Borg hive mind. (laughs) But it's never, you know, God damn it, that bitch. Why did blah, blah, blah. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, I need to pitch some more goddamn articles because. Yeah. Because like Gabby works, worked incredibly hard. Yeah, she did. You know, and to feel any sort of jealousy for that would be like laughable because I sure as shit didn't put any sort of, you know, that's not where I'm putting my efforts. So I think that that's one of the things we have to remember, too, is that this stuff isn't magically happening for people. People are working really goddamn hard. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. (laughs) All right. Well, I think we've pretty much... um, I think we've pretty much covered what we wanted to cover. I think so, too. All right. Well, you have been listening to Fatcast. I am Leslie Kinzel. I am Marianne Kirby. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks for listening. 